Great, uh, good. We want to be thinking loads this year about discipleship, right? And how do we follow Jesus more? And that's like a really, um, seems to be a really prevalent theme across loads of churches, but don't worry, we thought of it first. Um, And uh, so we're thinking about how can we be people who follow more closely at the feet of Jesus? Um, And we're going to be looking at that loads at the weekend away in February, so that's going to be a real kind of key theme there, which probably Nigel's already mentioned this morning and I wasn't listening, but maybe, did you mention, you hadn't mentioned that. Um, Great, then I was listening to everything Nigel said. Um, And so we're going to look at discipleship there, but then we thought, well, what do we want to do before that weekend? Um, Like, how do we tee up for really kind of thinking together? How do we walk as God's people closer to the feet of Jesus? And we thought, why don't we just spend the month thinking about how we hear God's voice together? Because to be a people who follow at the feet of Jesus, we need to be a people who can hear his voice and respond to him. Um, uh, There's a church locally who, who define discipleship as um, learning to uh, hear what is Jesus saying and then what am I going to do about it and and like the link between those two is discipleship Um, hearing what God is saying and then acting on what he says so really simply we're we're doing four weeks now before the weekend away where we just look at cool stories in the Bible where people have heard um, God's voice in a really powerful way in a really significant way and who have changed something about their life in response to it Uh, last week Nigel looked at the story of the King Josiah do you remember that Um, and the King Josiah is a really good king he's really cool he comes at a really difficult point in Israel's history Um, And he discovers the book of the law in the temple um, as they're renovating it, which is kind of bad in itself, isn't it? Because you realize, well, gosh, they'd forgotten about it so much they didn't even realize it was missing. (laughs) Um, uh, They discovered the book of the law, and then he read it and was like, oh, my gosh, we need to change the way we do things in response to the word of God written. Um, And so there's that call to to read and study um, the word of God uh, in the Bible, da-da-da, and and then to respond to it and actually change our lives um, according to it. This week, we're looking at the passage in Acts 10, where God speaks through a slightly different way um, to a guy much, much, much later, um, hundreds of years later, um, called Peter. And in, in this week, God is going to talk to him through a dream or a vision. Um, it's not entirely clear whether Peter was fully asleep or whether he was just semi-asleep when the vision came. A trance, I think, is how the NIV puts it. So open to interpretation. Um, but we're going to look at that and think, okay, how I, how, what is God saying to him? Why is it important that God's speaking to him? Um, and then how can we be people who are open to the voice of God? Is that good? And then in response, um, we're all going to sit there and all going to get a trance vision from God. Is that good? Because here, he likes to be... Um, told what to do like that. He's uh, good at that. No, I'm kidding. We're not going to quite do that, but we are going to be available to it. So um, be concentrating because there will be some kind of a response at the end of this. Um, Yes, yes. God speaks. How does God speak in the Bible? I want you to just look at the person next to you um, and tell them some of the ways that you remember God speaking in scripture. Uh, Go, go 20 seconds. How does God speak? Really, I should have done this and then changed the batteries in the microphone. Okay. Have you got lots and lots? Here's some that I thought of. Um, So the right list is about to come. Ready? Um, uh, Dreams, nature, stars, thunder, ants, trees, definitely trees, angels. God speaks in stillness. He speaks in storms. He speaks through disembodied hands, writing things on walls. He speaks through bushes catching fire. Peter rightly said donkeys, uh, though only once. So it's not... Maybe don't go and buy a donkey, just so you can hear the voice of God through it. A slightly controversial one. In the Bible, God speaks through the rolling of the dice. 
Um, so you can work out what God wants by rolling the dice or drawing straws, and the person who gets the shortest straw, I don't recommend it, but they do it, um, and God uses it. And loads and loads through Scripture. Um, what's the main way that God speaks in the Bible, and who's that? The main way that God speaks in Scripture is through Jesus. And the main way that we hear God's voice is in the person of Jesus. That is the loudest ring, which is in Scripture, right? So uh, Scripture is the right answer. Um, there's this amazing bit at the beginning of Hebrews where God says, where, where the writer says, In the past God spoke to us in various times, in various ways, through the prophets, but now he has spoken through his Son. It doesn't mean he's not going to talk in prophecy anymore, but it does mean that the most significant word, the way that we truly understand who God is and what his heart is for us, is in the person of Jesus. Jesus is the main way that God speaks. Okay, let's read the passage, and as we stop in it, I will um, give us helpful insights that will change your life. Um, If you have a Bible, open it again to Acts 10. If you have a phone, open it to Acts 10. Um, And I'm going to start from verse 9. Little heads up, Peter at this time is in a place called Joppa. And he's there because Peter doesn't live in Joppa, but he's, do, he's done a little tour because the Christian thing has been really kicking off, although they're not called Christian. But the kind of Jesus movement has been kicking off around the country. Um, churches have kind of sprung up across the place as believers from Jerusalem have been scattered across the country. And then they've set up little house churches and told their mates about Jesus. And now all these churches are starting to do really well. So the guys in Jerusalem, the church leaders of kind of, because there weren't many, thought, hey, it would be really good if we just send someone around to kind of do a little survey of how the churches are doing and just preach to them, teach them, just make sure they're kind of sticking to the straight and narrow track, teaching teachings of Jesus and that kind of thing. And so they send Peter and a couple of others uh, kind of to do a little country tour. Peter does the little country tour, gets to Joppa, and there's such a kind of window of opportunity there that he decides to stay in a guy called Simon's house and stays for a while. Um, And so he's teaching the church there and leading them, and things are going really well. Peter's got a good ministry going at this point. People kind of like him, and he's doing the famous tour. He's probably doing some book signings and things like that. Things are going pretty well. Uh, for Peter. So, um, about noon, I'm reading from verse 9 in chapter 10 of Acts. About noon the following day, as, oh, I should have given you the heads up on this point. Peter's in Joppa, but there's a man in Caesarea whose name is Cornelius. Is Cornelius a Jew? No, he is a Roman centurion, um, and so a Gentile, or not circumcised, or however you choose to define it, uh, not, uh, not a part of the kind of religious grouping. He has a basic faith in God, and he knows uh, that there's one God, and he should worship him, and he's kind of seen the Jews doing some stuff, and he's like, yeah, that's cool, I'm going to honor God with my life. Um, so he's been kind of trying to live for God his own way. And then one day while he was doing that, an angel came and showed up in his house um, and said, Hey, um, Cornelius, I've got a message to give you. You need to send for Simon Peter, who's in Joppa, and he'll come back to your house and he'll give you the message that I want to give to you. Is that cool? Um, so then Cornelius doesn't want to waste time, so he sends messengers to Peter who travel. Um, it's quite a long journey by foot, so they travel to Joppa. And they're on their way. So it's kind of like the the stories kind of teed us up for now in another scene. It's actually quite good storytelling. Um, About noon the following day, as they were on their way to to the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. Now, let's stop there. Peter gets a vision from God in this passage, but the first thing that happens isn't just that the vision comes out of nowhere. The first thing that happens is Peter makes space for God to speak to him. Is that clear? 
Um, and that's something that Nigel talked a lot about last week, is how do we be people who create space for God to speak in our lives? I don't think we can decide that God is going to speak to us, but we can be people who aren't listening. Or we can be people who are listening. Um, Peter's busy. He's got a lot on his plate. He's got a lot of demands on his time. There's a lot of people who want to see him. There's a lot of teaching to be done. There's a lot of churches to be visited. But it seems to be this pattern in his life. Um, Most uh, kind of guys like him would have prayed kind of three times a day, I think. So taking three times in a day just to go out and be on your own and spend some time um, with God. Um, And that's really cool, isn't it? Now, I appreciate um, the taking time out at midday um, isn't something that most of us can do in our day-to-day lives, um, mainly because if you get to midday and you haven't had lunch, you need to sort that out first. Um, so this is my problem with this passage, is I'm too hungry by midday uh, to do anything. Um, except, does anyone find it easy to pray when they're fasting? I find, like, apparently fasting's supposed to help you focus on God. <laughs> I've never found that in my life. Like, I still think it's an important practice, but I, I just feel like when I'm, th- when, I'm, when I'm hungry, I just think about food more. Um, and I just find it really hard. I'm just like, God, come on, talk to me quick so I can get back to my meal. Um, but Peter makes space, even though he's hungry, even though he's busy, he makes space uh, for God um, in his life. Um, and I kind of wonder, well, what was he hoping to get from that time? Um, do you think he was hoping to hear a really specific vision from God? I don't think he was, was he? He was just doing it because he knew it was the right thing to do, because it's right to make space for God in my life, because it's right. Uh, well, all, all my life is God, <laughs> is God's. So it's right to, to acknowledge that and give uh, lots of time to hear from him. Um, but he does, and, 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 um, <laughs> and he hears. So that's good. Les Isaac came, didn't he, a few weeks ago and preached, and he spoke loads on this. But when when do we make time to be people who invest in prayer, who invest in giving time to hear from God? And it's something that we need to do, I think, more as a church. That's really tough, isn't it? Because we're busy and we're tired and grumpy and hungry, and uh, that's just me. Um, I'm all of those things, uh, less busy, more just tired, grumpy, and hungry um, most of the time. But making space to hear from God is is important. Um, there are loads of times in the Bible where God does break through and speak to people who aren't listening, like the donkey, like the disembodied hand writing on the wall. But I think God way prefers it when we are people who are listening. Um, so maybe something just, if you, if you don't do anything else from, from this today, just trying to think, when, when can I just carve 5, 10, 15 minutes um, in a day or three times a week or whatever to just stop and listen. Maybe don't try like an hour a day straight off. Start small, build it up. Start with a little, build it up. Um, that's what I would do anyway. But um, yes, because God is speaking, isn't he? It's not like, is God speaking? God is speaking. It's just, are we listening? <laughs> Can we hear him? Um, so that's good. So that's kind of point one. Um, Peter made space to actually hear from God. This vision doesn't come out of nowhere. It comes in the context of a guy who wants to listen and who is sitting still um, and asking God to speak. Um, Peter went up on the roof to pray. Verse 10, he became hungry and wanted something to eat. I love that. Uh, And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. It's like some kind of coma or something. It was great. Uh, Yes, if you get hungry and feel like you're going to fall into a trance in this talk, please do get some chocolate or something um, and don't just persevere. He saw heaven opened 
and something like a large sheep being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all types of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Uh, Now, the clarifying thing, so he sees a vision of a bunch of food being lowered down on a sheet, a gift from God for him, a hungry, poor servant of the Lord. Um, And God says to him in the vision, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter says what? No. Why does he say no? That's right. Um, There were these dietary laws in Judaism, which probably most of you will know, uh, but some people might not, so that's fine. Um, Dietary laws in Judaism where just for some reason... God deems certain animals unclean to eat and to touch. And if you touch them, you're unclean. And if you eat them, you're unclean. So if you keep them, you're unclean. Um, And some animals are clean, and they're okay for you to eat. They're okay for you to sacrifice to God. And some are not. And those you must not touch. So pigs are the kind of classic example, isn't it, Um, of an unclean animal. So Peter, no bacon up to this point in his life. Um, And he still managed to grow into an adult. Uh, male, which is amazing in itself. Uh, but he hadn't tasted bacon. He hadn't had crackling. Uh, the other, we went to Toby Carvery just before Christmas, which is like an annual uh, glorious tradition for the staff team. Um, and you know where they give you like the, the, the different meats? I ended up having quad pig uh, this year. It was great. So I had like gammon and pork and crackling and sausages wrapped in bacon. <laughs> it's just like, so good. It's like, all the pig. Um, but Peter, no pig. Unclean. Yeah. I felt unclean afterwards, to be honest. <laughs> Let's move, move on from that. Um, so Peter's uh, seeing this vision. Um, it's a great offer of loads of food, but the problem is they're all unclean animals. Um, now, it's not quite clear whether Peter thinks that God is kind of testing him or whether he thinks he should obey. But either way, he, he feels strongly enough that he's like, no, God, I'm not going to touch that food. It's unclean. Um, because, of course, it's really good when God's talking to you to let him know that you know better than him. Um, which, how many of you do that? I, I do that sometimes. It's like, God, that's, oh, yeah, I know Leah does. <laughs> we talk about that a lot. <laughs> it's like, God was like this, and I was like, no, don't be stupid. <laughs> well, you don't quite. I think you're more respectful than that. But, yes, Peter says, he, at least he's honest, right? Peter's honest with God. He says, no, no, no. And then God, uh, so the sheet goes up. And then it comes down, and God says the same thing again. Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. Um, And God says again, um, uh, and Peter says again, Surely not, Lord. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. And then God says again, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. And Peter says, Surely not, Lord. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. There's kind of this thing in Peter's life. Everything has to happen in threes. Who knows that? He's like, Peter's not kind of a learn something once kind of guy. He's got to <laughs> repeat it. Um, how many people can relate to that? I can relate to that. Um, something happens once. No. But yes, Peter. Now, here's, here's the thing here. Listening to God means making space for God to talk. We just mentioned that. Listening to God also means God might want to shock us in what he says. Does that make sense? Listening to God means we've got to be willing for him to say something that we don't expect. Peter wasn't expecting this vision to happen. We read it and we know the story. So it's kind of like, oh yeah, this is where Peter sees the vision of the sheet and unclean animals. And God changes his mind on what's clean and what's unclean. We need to understand, for Peter, this was a really, really big deal. 
God was completely shaking the framework of something that was core in his faith, core in his belief. Does that make sense? This was a big deal for Peter. Um, And, uh, I mean, it's really significant for us because it's part of the reason why we're believers today, this vision, because it enables the gospel to go uh, to the Gentiles. But if we're listening to God... He might say things that are outside of our comfort zone. Um, We hear a lot these days about echo chambers. You hear the phrase echo chambers? And uh, the more we look at social media and the more we're kind of on Twitter or on Facebook, I think Facebook in particular, these things, uh, Facebook is tuned to show you things that you believe. So it's tuned to show you people that you agree with and the stories that they share that you agree with and the news sites that you already think like. So that over time, your Facebook becomes more and more like the way you think. Does that make sense? Um, It's called an echo chamber because you're quite likely to get a really positive response to a lot of the things you say and you're quite likely to think, hey, everyone seems to think like me or at least a good proportion of my friends seem to think like me. So like when when the um, uh, vote for Brexit was on, I knew that we were going to vote to remain because 99% of the people in my Facebook were all voting to remain, right? There's like the one odd odd voice and it was like, whoa, what's that? but Facebook had kind of tuned me into an environment where everyone thought the way I did. Um, and then obviously that was completely wrong. Um, but here's the point. We love echo chambers. We love being a part of groups that agree with us. We love people that affirm us, that tell us that we're doing fine, that the way we think is fine. And we generally, as people, dislike challenge. We dislike disruption. We dislike people thinking other to us, Um, which is why um, when you try to engage in a conversation with someone about their views on Facebook and change their mind, it doesn't go well. We don't like having our mind changed, do we? Um, And oftentimes we come to God and really what we expect him to tell us is exactly what we already know. Maybe he's going to tell me that I'm nice, that he likes me, that he values me, uh, which is true. He absolutely does, and he will say that. Um, maybe he's going to tell me that, you know, Forest Hill's just really great, and we're, you know, doing all the right stuff, and um, he just loves us, and he wants to be here with us, and all that stuff is right, correct? But God might also want to say something that's really hard to hear. And in this story, God tells Peter something that's really hard for him to hear, which is the whole way, in fact, something that contradicts Scripture. (laughs) Now, we're going to talk about that in a little minute. Um, But uh, something that actually goes against the laws of the Old Covenant, where it says, do not eat this meat. And now God comes along saying, eat it. So God's actually overturning a kind of part of his religion. Does that make sense? Really interesting. Um, And are we people who are going to be willing to actually hear when God says something that's difficult um, to hear? See, there's things that we need to learn as believers, and often we think about this, and, you know, it's kind of adding knowledge. And as we go on with God, we want to learn more about the Bible. We want to learn more about God's world and what he wants us to do. There's also going to be things in all of our lives that God wants to unlearn for us. And for Peter, he'd been following Jesus for years. And what, what, what this vision mainly talks about isn't, um, isn't actually food. It kind of looks like it's about food. It's really about people, unclean people. Um, I should have explained that. Uh, let's try that now, and then we'll come back. Um, so Peter sees the dream, right? And the dream is about food. But then three, three, note the number. How many? Three. Why is three significant? 
Three vision, three times the voice said, three people show up at his door. Three men show up at Peter's door just after the vision happened, and they are not Jews. They're not circumcised, Jesus-following Jews. They are um, Gentiles. And they show up at his door, and Peter sees them and makes the link in his mind. Oh, right, the vision wasn't really about food. I mean, it's sort of about food, but it's more about whether I see people as clean or unclean or not. And he says, oh gosh, God has just shown me that I shouldn't call anyone um, unclean. Does that make sense? What that means is that Peter has been following Jesus for years and he still sees 98% of the world's population as unclean and not to be mixed with. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) And if that's true of Peter, my guess is it's probably true of me. There's probably things that I've been following Jesus and kept in my mind or kept in my life that are unhealthy or not right or God needs to teach me, unlearn me. Amen. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. Um, And actually, over and over again in this passage, uh, Peter shows how much he's learned the lesson. So he says, God has shown me that I shouldn't call any man um, unclean or impure. It's amazing. And then uh, that great bit that Nigel read earlier, um, from every nation. I now see that from every nation, God has people and God loves people. God's looking out for people who put him first. It's really cool. Um, And it is a massive turnaround. Let's read on a bit in the story. Um, so the vision happens, the sheet uh, gets raised back, and immediately the sheet is taken, and Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision in verse 17. Now, <laughs> we're not getting very fast through the passage, are we? Um, Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision. That is really, really important. Now, it's like a side note in the passage, um, but a couple of times it just says Peter stopped and thought about it. So God spoke, and then Peter had to stop and think about it. Isn't that cool? Sometimes I, uh, people give me words or whatever, and actually it hasn't happened very much recently, but I used to kind of keep a, a little journal of them and write them down if people gave me words or prophecies. And what would normally happen is this. Someone would give me a word, and I would get really excited and think, oh, that's really cool. And then I would write it in the journal and then put the journal away and never think about it <laughs> again. Or maybe the next time I'd have a little look. But generally, I don't actually think and process. In other words, God's speaking, and I kind of hear, but then I don't respond, don't think about it. Now, this is um, a really big vision that God gives Peter that's going to require him to change some things about his life. So really, the question is, imagine God came and he showed you a bizarre vision that required you to you know, move to a completely different part of the world and do church in a completely different way and whatever. Do you then just suddenly act or do you think about it? You think about it, right? Because we want to be open to the voice of God. But does anyone know anyone who's been sure that they've heard from God and just acted on it? And you're like, I don't know if you heard from God or if that was the cheese you ate talking sort of thing. Anyone, you know that? Um, And so we need to be open to the voice of God and we need to be open to God speaking in dreams and in visions. But there comes the question, how do we know when God's spoken through a vision, that it was him, not us. That it was him, not in my imagination. Because I have a great imagination. Um, and sometimes it lies to me. <laughs> um, and I, I take it too seriously than I should. Um, so, so how do we 
listen. Um, and here's the kind of third point. Are you tracking my points? The first one, make space for God. The second one, um, if you do that, he might shock you. The third one, uh, listening to God means weighing what we hear. Weighing what we hear. Over and over again in the Bible, there's the call, if you hear from God, you weigh it up. You think, is that from God um, or is it not? There's a few really helpful pointers um, in this passage about how to do that. Um, The first one we just read, um, Peter spent time thinking about what he'd heard from God. He was wondering um, about the vision. Um, The second one is there were loads of other things going on in this story that showed that what Peter that showed that Peter's vision was linked to other stuff. Um, So it wasn't just an isolated thing that he heard. In other words, immediately after the vision happened, by total coincidence, three Gentile guys show up at his front door saying, I know we're unclean, but would you come and speak to us, please? We want to hear the word of God. Uh, So does that make sense? There's other things kind of backing it up. Um, in the story. So firstly, think about it. Second, are there other things going on um, that back it up, that kind of show that what you think you've heard from God um, is right? Thirdly, Peter then goes and preaches to them, and while he's still talking, the Holy Spirit interrupts him and fills everyone in the room, and they all start speaking in tongues and prophesying. Does that show that maybe God is in it? Yeah, so there's kind of another thing that kind of backs up, okay, maybe I was right about this. Maybe I'm onto something um, with this. Fourthly, um, in the next chapter, Peter's talking about what happened, um, and he says, when that, when that happened, when the Holy Spirit fell, I remembered the teaching of Jesus that said, you know, you've been bapt- baptized by John in water, but I'm going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Um, so in other words, Peter's making a link between the vision that he heard and the words of Jesus, do they line up? Does the thing that you think you heard from God match with the teachings of Jesus? If it doesn't, it's not from God. Is that clear? Um, Just as a helpful pointer, if God tells you, I really want you to go and shoot that person over there, it's not God. (laughs) You just need prayer Um, and a gun. No, not a gun. You need prayer. Um, Don't get a gun. Uh, Good. In fact, we watched a story with the youth um, a couple of years ago um, called The Machine Gun Preacher. Has anyone ever seen that film? Very interesting. It's a guy who um, is kind of living a wayward lifestyle. He's a very violent man. And then he comes to faith and has this really amazing conversion experience where he meets God. And then he feels like God tells him that he should go to northern Uganda, South Sudan, that kind of area, and intervene in the war there by starting a militia that goes and hunts people who take child soldiers. Does that make sense? So he thinks, God told me to go to... It's based on a true story. It's an interesting thing. Um, where a guy hears from God that he should go and shoot people. Um, now, I totally get that the heart behind it was, I want to rescue kids who've been taken as child soldiers. And should... Christians be involved in that kind of situation? Hell yeah. But is God going to show up in a dream and tell you to go to war? Do you, do you see my issue with, with that? But people feel like they really hear from God, and sometimes it's God, and sometimes bits of it are God, and bits of it aren't. So I think what happened there is he heard the heart of God for the kids, and he mixed it with his past as a violent guy into guns. Does that make sense? Anyway, 
um, also he's from America. Um, and th- the, the last thing, the last way that Peter um, checks whether what he's heard is from God is he doesn't go alone. He takes other people with him. Um, so he's had this weird vision. He thinks God's saying something new. He takes a couple of his guys who he knows, who he trusts, who are fellow believers, and he goes with them so that when the Holy Spirit falls, he has someone to talk to. And he's like, hey, do you think we should baptize these guys now that they've responded to God in faith? And they say, sure. Uh, yes, definitely. Um, and does that make sense? You need to have people, if you're hearing from God, if you want to hear from God and you think you get a vision from God, you need to have people who you can talk to about it, um, who can tell you if you're going crazy or not, um, and people who aren't afraid to tell you if you're going crazy or not. Does that make sense? Um, I think, uh, ideally, house groups are really good for that. I think, like, little prayer triplets or whatever. But just basically having someone in your life who you talk to about this stuff. So it's not just between you and God. Um, uh, though between you and God is cool, but it's not just there. Does that make sense? We're designed to hear from God together, not mainly alone. Is that cool? Um, okay, that was a kind of way of thinking about discernment. The final thing um, that I want to talk about... Am I trying to get too much in here? Maybe, but this is important. Um, Also, I feel like I've been a bit all over the place, uh, which I think is because I've been a bit all over the place. Do you roughly track what's happened in the story? (laughs) Peter goes to their house, and a whole bunch of people who previously would have had no access to Jesus get saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, and baptized. It's really cool, and it's the first time it ever happened for uncircumcised people who were considered unclean before that moment. That's basically the story. Really good, right? Really good thing. Um, uh, Cool. So we thought about, okay, listening to God means weighing what we hear. Finally, listening to God means being willing to act. Listening to God means being willing to act. Um, Did God mainly speak to Peter so that Peter would have a nice story to tell? No. Um, Sometimes I think God's going to speak to me just because I want him to, but... Uh, That's not the reason why for Peter. Uh, Did God speak to Peter so that Peter would feel superior to his friends who didn't see a vision? No. Did God speak to Peter so that Peter could win an argument with um, his mates back in Jerusalem about whether to evangelize Gentiles? (laughs) Elaine, you're such a pagan. Um, Did God speak to Peter so that Peter could change his opinion on race and dietary laws? Is that what God wants? A change of opinion? Partly, but not quite. If, that, if Peter had just changed his opinion, would God have gotten what God wanted? No. God spoke to Peter because God wanted to meet Cornelius. Does that make sense? It's really that simple. God spoke to Peter in a vision because God loved Cornelius. Because God loves Cornelius' household. Because God loves all the Gentiles who aren't circumcised, which, by the way, is most of us, um, and uh, God wants to meet with us. God wants to meet with everyone. That's the lesson of this passage. God doesn't speak to Peter because God just wants to give his church visions. Does that make sense? And sometimes I feel like I chase the vision rather than the reason. Like, I want to hear from God because I want a spectacular thing, because I I feel like it's been a while and I I just want to see something cool and I want an experience of God, which is great. And I think God does sometimes just say, okay, yeah, I'd love to just give you an experience of me. I think he loves that. But the main reason God speaks to Peter is that God wants him to go and share the message of Jesus with someone who God wants to meet with. 
This happens over and over and over again in Scripture, like Paul on the road to Damascus. Yes, God loves Paul. He wanted to save Paul, but also he wanted an apostle to the Gentiles. He wanted someone who would go and preach the word. Or like Jonah. Why does God speak to Jonah? It's not because he needed a kid's story to put in the Bible. That was a joke. Come on. Um, (laughs) It's because God loved Nineveh. And he wanted to meet with Nineveh. and He didn't want them to die. Why did God speak to Isaiah? Remember that Isaiah's vision um, in the temple and he sees the glory of the Lord and he's like, woe is me. Um, the heart behind that is at the end, um, there's this voice in heaven that says, who shall I send? And Isaiah says, here I am, send me, 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 me. It's like that keen kid in the class. And that's the heart. God wanted to send someone to share his word with his people. See, the point is that we hear God's word and that we respond to it. Not that we are a church that collects visions, though visions are great, but a church that follows them, (laughs) a church that obeys them. Um, I think treasure hunting is like a a really kind of basic example of this. It's like we want to hear from God, and the reason is we know there are people out there in our street, walking past right now, who need a word from God. Does that make sense? We don't do treasure hunting so that we can feel good about it. We've we, um, done it so that people hear from God. Um, and it's great when it works. I find it so hard when I don't hear <laughs> or when I, when I get it wrong. And I'm like, Ugh. But um, the point is to get out and to uh, tell people. And this is really cool in Peter. Um, even though what God says to him is so different to anything he's ever heard in his life, he says... Okay, sure. And he goes, doesn't he? He obeys. He goes with the guys to Cornelius's house. He goes into the house of a Gentile guy who he shouldn't have even gone into the house of um, by the Jewish priority laws. But he says, oh, God's changed my mind on that. So I'm going into this guy's house. I'm going into his context, which is what mission is all about, and sharing with him the word of God. And then God can move in power. Does that make sense? Um, now, uh, we need to pray and worship. Um, and I think what we, um, for me, the kind of, I mean, I've, sa- I've tried to say four things, basically. I think the two that you really needed to hear, uh, though I might be wrong, were one and four. One, making space for God to speak. We can't decide to hear from God, but we can decide to be listening. Um, so it's not you saying, I demand that you speak to me now in a vision, God, after this service. But it is you saying, is there something you want to tell me? Is there someone I need to have on my mind? Is there a situation that you need me to pray for? And then just being available. And maybe you feel like, actually, it's been a long time since I've been really available to the voice of God. Really just just genuinely, no agenda. I'm just standing here to listen. Um, And if that's you, um, then we need to pray. Um, And the other one is part four. I feel like maybe there's some people who you've had a word from God and you know it. You've heard from him, but you just either can't respond or don't know how to respond or don't know how to live it. Does that make sense? Um, and I think we need to pray for both of those things. Um, so it's the kind of the first one, making space. The fourth one, being people who respond when we've heard.